where the Ark of the Covenant that symbolized the presence of God with his people, where that Ark was, was kept. And everything about the Ark of the Covenant made it very clear that God, the God we worship, is very, very holy. From the, the cherubim, the angels that were carved on the, the cover, covering their, over top of the Ten Commandments that reveal the, the holiness of God, together with the blood that was spread on the mercy seat, on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, and the whole fact that it was placed in that tent, that tabernacle, with all the fancy embroidery pointing to the holiness of the Lord, and the, the, the pathway to the, the Ark of the Covenant, which was uh, in which it was necessary to offer sacrifices for the sins of any who would approach the Lord. And the holiness of God's presence among his people in the ark was even further uh, clarified uh, when, when the ark was transported from, from one place to another and uh, when the offering or when the sacrificial offerings were be, uh, started with Nadab and Abihu. You remember one time they approached the ark, it's Leviticus 10, in an irreverent manner. And when they did that, fire came down from heaven and consumed them instantly. And another time, the Ark of the Covenant was going from one place to another, and it was on a cart, and it began, started to fall off. And, and Uzziah put out his hand to help the Lord, and he was struck down immediately. The Lord is very powerful, very holy, and he is not one who will permit his name to be defiled or profaned. God defends the holiness of his name. He defends the holiness of his presence among us. And so Psalm 15 now pictures a pilgrim coming up to this tent, knowing the holiness of, of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and he's coming up to this tent on the holy hill. That's verse 1. And they would be filled with awe at, at the majesty, the holiness of, of their God, their covenant father and their creator. And here they were at the door to the majesty and the glory of the heavenly throne of God Almighty. And instead of being destroyed for their sins immediately, the Lord was opening the door for them. Ordained priests were making sacrifices to pay for the sins of those who were coming to the Lord in, in humble worship. And, and they were carrying the prayers of the saints right to the heart of God's throne as they offered up the incense. They came near and they could hear and they could see the promise that their sins were forgiven them. And once graciously forgiven, they were again called to approach the Lord and to walk with him in thankfulness. And when we see that, we, we see how much it looks like our worship today. We worship the same holy God. We need the same forgiveness of sins. We too are here because of the sacrifice of the Son of God who opened the door to the holiness and the glory of God's kingdom. And we're also so overjoyed to, to be here, to, to know, we, we sang about it, that the sacrifice has been offered once for all on the cross. Jesus Christ died 
for us. We too see the door to eternal fellowship with God, the kingdom of peace, the kingdom of love, standing open right before us. We see, we hear the good shepherd calling us. He has told us that it is finished. He has said that the work is done, that curtain to the most holy place where the ark was kept, it's, it's no longer closed to anyone who believes in him. And just as our brothers and our sisters asked when they sang this psalm so many years before, we also asked, who may walk through that open door into your kingdom? Now that the door to your holiness is open for all who believe in Jesus Christ, what kind of person, O oh Lord, do you find delight in? Who do you want to live with you in this eternal fellowship? And then in Psalm 15, the church joyfully sings the answer, who? Whoever wants to, whoever shows that they want to walk with God by eagerly living according to the laws of love that are in the kingdom of God. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who is led by the Holy Spirit to love, to love their neighbor. The description in Psalm 15 shows us that it all comes down to what is in your heart. What is it that you want in your heart? And Psalm 15 doesn't tell us to gauge where we stand in relation to this holy God, this consuming fire. Don't, don't gauge your, your relationship to him by, by counting on your fingers how many times you went to church services or how many times you pray or how many times you read the Bible. That's not what Psalm 15 is listing here. Because it's possible for a hypocrite to fool himself into thinking that this would be enough to, to satisfy God. We wouldn't use those words, but sometimes it's how people think. It also, the psalm also doesn't encourage us to lawyer ourselves into complacency by telling us that we're good enough as long as we don't break the laws of the land. Rather, Psalm 15 helps us to keep it very simple. God receives into his kingdom of love everyone who is led by the Spirit to want to love. And this love, says Psalm 15 clearly, is best displayed in how you live in relationship to other people. And this relationship to others is most clearly defined by how you speak to your neighbor. Who is able to trust the work of Jesus Christ so fully that he can love his or her sister or her, her neighbor freely? That's the question. Who can love freely without expecting anything in return? And then we look at verses 2 to, to 5. I mean, we can think about that a lot. You can see it's someone who, who examines their hearts. They will look at these things. They will look at the way that they are they're walking, that it's blameless. That's a reference to personal integrity. And what's in your heart is what's in your mouth, and that's the way you're, you're living, a man, of, a, man a, a person of integrity. 
You love what is doing right and speaking the truth in your heart. And then that stands in contrast to verse 3. So if you're speaking the truth, that means you're not slandering with your tongue. You're not doing or saying things to harm your neighbor. You really want to show love so much. And verse 3 says you won't even take up a reproach against a friend. That means that we want to, to go way beyond just not speaking evil about someone else. That means that we don't even want to allow a slur or a taunt to influence our view of other people. Those who walk through the open door of Christ's righteousness into fellowship with God as they come draw near to Christ, the psalm says, you also want to leave the vile person behind. The person who hates God, who hates his kingdom, must be left behind. Rather than paying attention to, to the world, to those who hate the Lord, and, and to, to following their advice and to allowing them to influence how you see others, the, the righteous person who walks through that open door says, I'm, I'm going to leave that behind and I'm going to honor those who fear the Lord. That's in verse 4. And we show that we love our neighbor when we don't change our mind, when we don't renege on promises, when we are lending to the poor without charging any interest, refusing bribes. And you see the, the guidelines for examining the heart, the sincerity of our heart, the desire to be with God. And that's why today you, we can still use Psalm 15 as a guideline when we're examining our hearts before we approach the Holy God. And so why is it so important to examine our hearts before we approach the Holy God? We already saw that it's not important in order to safeguard God or to protect God's temple. God can defend himself. He doesn't need someone, a human being, to to keep his name from falling off the cart. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul isn't worried about God's standing and position when he told the church to examine themselves before participating in the Lord's Supper. It wasn't a question of, of disappointing a kind old grandfather at a family meal. Not like saying, wash your hands before you sit here, you know, before the Lord. You don't want to disappoint God. Not at all. You see, when we supervise the table of the Lord, we have the picture of Matthew 22 in our minds. Our God is a holy God. He is a God who defends his holiness by destroying his enemies. He destroys those who reject his invitation to come to him in Jesus Christ. Those who don't want to live in fellowship with him, who continue in sin. He is a God who casts into outer darkness all those who dare to come into his presence while they are persisting in their sins. All those who refuse Christ's righteousness, that, that garment that, that guest could have put on that we read about in Matthew 22. You see, Psalm 15 is not a checklist 
for a human gatekeeper. Psalm 15 is a warning to everyone who is approaching God, who is approaching the Lord, whether it be in, in prayer, whether it be in, in, in worship, or in a more intimate way in, in the celebration of Lord's Supper. Let us remember the words of Psalm 15. They tell us, remember who you are drawing near to. And God is not to be trifled with. It is a very dangerous thing to eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, to be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of our eternal King, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord remains a holy and a consuming fire who is jealous for the perfection of his new creation. He will not have his kingdom, his church, defiled and profaned by uncaring and arrogant rebels. He will protect his kingdom as a safe place for the weak and the humble. There is no way into his kingdom except through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord, through his righteousness. If you are living outside of Christ, if you are living in, in a way that shows hatred, disrespect, or dishonor to your neighbor, persisting in these sins and embracing them and, and not even confessing them, Psalm 15 says, you'll be punished if you dare to approach his throne without repenting. And brothers and sisters, Psalm 15, like Matthew 22, like 1 Corinthians 11, is a call, a call to examine your hearts before you approach the throne of God Almighty. What is it that you want in your heart? What is it that you are desiring is it to live in fellowship with God and with your neighbor? Are you coming to this holy God in Jesus Christ, in humble repentance, with a heart that loves to love your neighbor? The door is open in Christ Jesus. Are you eager to embrace the holiness that he has obtained for you? Are you eager to embrace that, that new life as you submit to the law of love in the kingdom of a holy and sovereign Lord? Do you see how a good relationship with God necessarily is seen in a good relationship with your neighbor, not just we, we, it, it's fine, but also in the way that we speak? When by the grace of God you are led by the Holy Spirit, to love, to love your neighbor, then you will also love to receive Christ's work and to eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord this morning. But remember, no one is forcing you to have this communion with the Lord, to walk in fellowship with him in the kingdom. And the warning of Psalm 15 is, is really only a call to make sure that this new life is the life that you want so that you are not consumed by God's wrath for loving your rebellion and loving your sins. At the same time then, as we think about that, as we examine our own hearts, 
We can know that if you are a living member of the church of God, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, desiring to be renewed more and more to live as Christ did, like Psalm 15 describes it, brother, sister, you can be assured and comforted to know that you may sojourn in the presence of the Lord forever. The gospel is God will give you exactly what you want. That desire the Holy Spirit has put in your heart, you can have that. God is a generous God, a gracious God. He opens the door. He walks with you through it. You may be a part of a kingdom that will never be moved. You will never be moved, says Psalm 15, verse 5. Because once you are in God's kingdom, once you have this fellowship with the eternal creator of, of heaven and earth, you will never have to change your heart again. You, you can remain unmoved in the joy and the love of the kingdom. And so may your joy in God's love for us in Christ be full. May your love for God and for your neighbor remain your greatest desire. And may his peace enrich you. Amen.